Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your host, Monica, and I'm joined once again with an awesome, awesome guest. Uh, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves for a little bit. Uh, you know, guests, take it away. Hello, I'm Kiki. I'm a journalist who is gently addicted to binging TV. Nice. <laughs> um, and I have a little TikTok thing going on. I love talking about TV, movies, especially ones that feature in star, marginalized, or underrepresented voices. Mm-hmm. We'd love to see it. Yes, guys. Thank you so much for coming back for another episode of I've Been Meaning to Watch That. Today we're going to talk about Russian Doll, which is an amazing show on Netflix. It premiered in 2019, which is funny because season two just came out like just this year. So, you know, we love to see it. We love when creators take their time. They do not rush their art. They just kind of like, you know, they get back to it when they get back to it. And Amy Poehler, uh, Leslie Headland, and... Uh, the great Natasha Leon came back to us with an awesome season two. So we're going to go over season one and season two today for the podcast. But before we jump into that, we're going to get into Can't Wait to Watch, which is our segment where we talk about TV shows and movies that we can't wait to see that are coming out soon. And one thing I'm actually excited to see, it came out a while ago, so this is it. Well, I still can't wait to watch it because I just plan on like, you know when like you see a show... And, like, this mm-hmm. looks interesting, but it's on, like, a different streaming platform. Yeah. The show you want to watch is called Quiz, and it's basically okay. a true story where, basically, it was around the time where Who Wants to Be a Millionaire first came on air in the UK. I think it's where it started, basically. Mm-hmm. And people wanted to become a millionaire. They wanted to win this game show, and they would watch at home, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, this is so easy, I could do it myself. But of course, when you go on the show, a lot of people get it wrong. And there's this one woman who has played the sister from Fleabag. Have you seen Fleabag? No. That, oh I've been meaning to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be oh like gosh. my tagline the whole... <laughs> Listen, like, you know, you're watching TV and then they, like, name drop the name of the show. That's going to be me this whole Listen, <laughs> when you do get around to watching Fleabag, please let me know, mm-hmm. because I love that show so much. Um, it was, okay, a woman from Fleabag and then a guy from Secession. Have you seen Secession? Yes. Okay. I've seen a episode. <laughs> you know the, you know Shiv's husband? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the show. And the show's called Quiz, and essentially it's about this couple that try to cheat the game. And it's like mm. this whole scandal, and the show is three episodes long. It's a mini-series in the best way possible, and I just plan on like buying the whole series on YouTube, because it's three episodes, each episode is one I'm gonna, I'm going to buy it, I'm gonna watch it, I'm gonna love it. Like, that's, those are my plans for this weekend. Oh, solid. You I, okay? You put me on to something. This is the first time I've been hearing about this show. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the shows I like to, I want to like watch and see. They things that people are already talking about usually, like. Mm-hmm. But then there are some that are like hidden gems, like Fresh on Hulu was something that I wanted to watch for a while. I haven't watched it yet, and also like Ordinary People or Normal People. I think is what it's called. It's like this romance. TV show. I feel like I know, I feel like I can think of like the, like what the little poster thing looks like Mm. when you log on to Hulu. So I feel like I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What's it called? Freshers? 
pretty good. I feel like it felt it felt reminiscent of Get Out, but more of like a like a gender vibe than like a race vibe. If that makes sense. Okay. Hit me up when you watch Fresh, because boy, do I have some. <laughs> the thing is, like, isn't it kind of like Cannibal? Yeah, and okay. it's like, I'm like scared to say anything else. Because it's kind of an experience, like, when you watch it. I made the mistake of, like, eating Chipotle while watching it, and I literally had to put my fork down, like. Oh. Yeah, don't don't watch cannibal things while eating. That. That's not a vibe. It's not really the move. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. But I totally, like, I think I will probably try and. I haven't watched it yet, but I Mm -hmm. want to watch it. I just. A lot of times I, I don't know. I don't know what I was. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. So it happens. No, sometimes I I have plans to watch things and then I never really follow through or like mm. I get sidetracked or something. Like I've been meaning to watch Prey for a while, just haven't gotten oh. around to it. The second season of Only Murders. I'm meaning to watch that because the first season. I was pleasantly surprised, but I didn't have, like, super mm-hmm. high expectations for it. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy, because the, the cast was nothing to, like, turn your nose up at. Like, I yeah. feel like they had some great people on it. But I was still, like, it still blew me away. So uh-huh. the second season of that, I've, I've been loafing a little bit, but that's been something I'm excited to really get into. Okay, all right. Is there anything else that you're excited to watch that's coming out, too? Um, can I curse? Okay, Issa Rae's show Rap Shit. I'm like, it's out. It's yeah. been out for a little bit. The finale just came out, I think, this week. Oh, Literally did? yesterday. Oh but I'm gosh. like, I'm so far behind. So that I'm gonna I'm gonna count that. Even okay. though I started, I'm counting that one. Okay, okay. And Game of Thrones, the spinoff. Uh-huh. I'm nervous for it but I do feel like I'm willing to give it a shot I think because George R.R. Martin is a lot more involved in this show yeah it's going to be good because it's just starting it's going to be good I do want to say this is this is this is going to seem weird of me there are certain people that I watch and I see in like certain things and I'm like I don't know what it is but I don't like you like <laughs> Matt Smith I don't. Is it, is I, it's like ick. I can't just. I can't watch him because he was a doctor, you know. And I love Doctor Who. But the thing is, mm-hmm. when he was a doctor, suddenly everybody cared about Doctor Who. And I was like, where were you in Tenet's era? Where were you for Tenet? Like Peter Capaldi is a, such a better doctor than Matt Smith, even though Peter Capaldi, some of the writing in his era was a little sexist. But that's Steve Moffat. It's not I, Peter's fault. Unfortunately, I do feel like there's a lot of great era of, like, television and movies where you're mm. like, this was great. Excuse the sex. <laughs> 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 this was really good. Like, you know when you, like, when you, like, watch something and you have to give, like, the disclaimer, like, so before we get started. Mm. Like, <laughs> when you're watching, year this like, came out. <laughs> like, old 90s sitcoms, like, watching Moesha and Girlfriends and be like, oh, man. Oh, 
y'all should have been friends. Oh, and I feel that so strong with girlfriends. Yes. Like I am just that to me felt like you know when you're why was Charles always there? (laughs) Why was he there? He wasn't even attractive. He brought nothing to the conversation. It was crazy. Is I really feel like if it was a show, probably just him and Joan. Mm -hmm. I feel like that would have been. Unfortunately, that would have made a lot more sense to me. Yeah. In hindsight, it's just ooh they ooh. I'm like, do y'all like each other or are y'all friends because y'all are just in close proximity? Yeah, it's like, oh, I knew her in, like, high school and college, so... Oh, right. We can't make and new not... friends. We can't make new friends. And I, making friends as an adult is hard, but, yeah. girl, we we have to do better. We, gotta... <laughs> <laughs> we have to do better. We have to try. The bar, the bar was on the floor, and each episode, one of them would pull out a shovel. I Wow. <laughs> The bar was on the floor. I, I tried to rewatch it. Oh my god! And after like the first season, I was like, I can't. <laughs> I was just, I was just getting frustrated. And I think yeah. like it fall, it falls kind of into that sitcom trap where sometimes I'm rambling now. You where can. sometimes you can go. Yeah. Where sometimes the characters keep getting into situations, but they don't grow. Mm-hmm. So it feels like you're watching them make kind of the same mistake. Uh, that's how I felt about Grownish for a little while. Oh, I didn't even bother watching Grownish. I had to break up with Grownish. <laughs> Anything Kenya Burris makes, I don't like. I I don't it, know uh, what it is. It might be his writing. It might be his style. I don't know. It's like I I usually okay with Blackish and Grownish. I feel like what has happened is I start out liking it, and then there's usually a moment where it just falls off for mm-hmm. me. I don't know what it is with grown. I know what it is with grownish, at least. Uh. Oh, I know what it is with grownish too. I just uh, like I like that I, there's a show about college because a different world was that show in the '90s, and also Saved by the Bell when they went from high school to college. But mm-hmm. grownish tries so hard to be a show for young people, but it's obviously written for adults. And this and is it another comes scene. off as condescending when it, it tries to talk about like young issues. Mm-hmm. It feels like I the thing about a different world that appealed to me was when you watched it, it would talk about issues, and you could tell that sometimes the writers had a stance, but it felt it didn't feel like they were lecturing you. Where sometimes grownish, I felt like I was getting after school special lecture, like there's no mm-hmm. hope and dope, like kind of vibes from it. Yeah. Also. This is one thing that I find annoying about a lot of college shows. Dear White mm-hmm. People is also included in this. Everybody is dressing like, everyone is dressing down. Like, every day is a fit check. And sometimes you need to put on sweatpants and stop lying. Just sweatpants, stop. the pineapple that's been in your hair for five days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, forget day two hair. We are on day six. Yeah. We're on day six. I'm in sweatpants. I should have studied for my exam. Instead, I took a nap. Mm. Like, where is that energy? Where is the scarf over the wig? Because she didn't lay down her edges and she just wants to where, get out of bed. Get a scarf. Where's the baseball cap over a wig? Literally. <laughs> Why <laughs> does Zoe have a new hairstyle every single week? The wig, no glue, baseball cap. Honestly. It's just like... It's on... Like... Not everything has to be realistic, but it can be, like, a little bit. You can, you know. Yeah, that was a show that I think definitely suffered from 
maybe needing a couple younger voices in there. Mm-hmm. Which generation, that felt really refreshing to me. And you could generation. tell that it was something that was made and there was like a Gen Z voice involved. I love generation. Oh, I need to rewatch Discovery it. Warner, I need them to... I don't know. Together. I need you to meet me in the back of the parking lot because because I will bare knuckle fight you. Please, <laughs> I, there's simply no other choice. Justice Smith deserves. Oh. Justice Smith deserves. Oh, that show ate down. Yeah. Like it. Oh, it was so good. Have you ever watched uh, Sweet Life LA? Is that the reality show? Mm-hmm. I caught a couple episodes and I keep telling myself like I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna watch, and then I never do. <laughs> when <laughs> you I do watch it, vibe with those early episodes. Oh yeah, I me too. I literally finished the first season just because so mm-hmm. much was happening, and I was like, "Well, now I gotta know how it ends." Cause y'all seem to be fighting every episode, but all y'all are best friends. I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. And I I always wonder about, like, I really wish I could be a fly on the wall for, like, the production meetings mm-hmm. for some of those reality shows. Because <laughs> I'm like, ooh, I know y'all are messy behind that camera. The thing is, is that, like, Issa Rae, the genius that she is, the mogul that she has become, like, this show really does, like, capture the insecure audience. You know, like mm-hmm. the people who watch Insecure really related to it really were those people that are like putting. Hi, mommy. Good, how are you? Sorry, my mom just walked in. <laughs> okay, but like the Insecure audience was really just like young black millennials that are like rise and grind, mm-hmm. like we're going to bit buy back the block. Uh, oh my gosh, like, you know, black billionaires, like, this kind of mindset of, like, I'm for liberation, but also about my money. It does, like, really, like, encapture that group of people, and, oh my gosh, it's just that, sometimes you watch it, like, that one guy who kind of acts like Drake, you know what I'm talking about? Like, him, and then that girl... That is the best description. <laughs> Literally, like he has a hard thing with everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's a mama's boy, which makes so much sense. But then there's the oh, the light skinned girl and like the other light skinned girl. They're best friends, mm-hmm. and he has like the most boy drama. I don't know how to say it, but like, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, like. I want to watch season two. If you get through season one, let me know. Cause I will. Like, <laughs> if you actually do get through season one and want to watch season two, I would love to talk about it because it's it's such a I I have just got it back into reality TV, and a lot of reality TV is so bad. You can tell the scripted. Oh, you can tell the certain. You can tell the certain moments have been like amped up in a way and I like that Sweet Life of LA is something that does feel like friends disagreeing on stuff and like having conversations and like it's very true that like people don't want to resolve their issues until there's an event going on or something else is going on because that's when everyone gets together so they just want to squash it then no one wants to text anybody no one wants to call anybody like it it feels very true to form and because it feels so true to form it's just even more annoying because like oh this is just how how y'all are 
this is yeah i i do appreciate the fact that it feels like it follows the reality tv formula but it doesn't lean too hard into like that over the top drama like now we're getting into like real antics kind of like i feel like it tells the line well yeah and i also think that like pj the guy who came to that girl's birthday party with the skirt skirt did you get mm-hmm. to the episode yeah mm-hmm. that was like <laughs> i'm not a man do these things on purpose and they want to act I... like what do you mean i showed to the part with a new car and a new girl what do you mean it's like I that I'm like you don't see how that might be a little awkward taco like he does see she, it. he just doesn't want to admit it especially because for me it was like that birthday gathering was definitely like a smaller vibe like it wasn't like a huge like 500 people we renting out like a club like why I'm one of those people here? where like my birthday is like I want to be around like my people my so I want her I was I was with her but she was like uh right. <laughs> and PJ's like, what did I do? What did I do? It's like we... <sighs> stupid on you purpose. Don't see it. Stupid on purpose. <laughs> you don't see Just it. Acting dumb. There's nothing in here. Oh my god. And then it's like doubling down. And sometimes I'm like, you could just say like to me it wasn't a big deal. Mm. I acknowledge to you it was a big deal, and for that I want to pop. Like you can acknowledge that. Like you can admit when you're wrong sometimes. Like... <laughs> right. It's not going to kill you, you know? It's not. And, like, sometimes, even if you don't understand, you can acknowledge that, like, okay, my actions definitely made you feel away, And that's not my intent. Like, you know, that's I don't maybe, a, maybe that's too much. Maybe no, we're asking too I much. Like that's enough. <laughs> I feel like that's enough. Okay. Is emotional maturity too much to demand? <laughs> I mean, if you lack it, I guess it is. I guess. If it's something you lack, I guess. You guys, we're going to get into uh, Russian Doll. Is there anything else you want to um, talk about that you're excited to see coming out soon? Um, I think those were the the big ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are the big ones. Okay. Well, I'm very glad that we're talking about Russian Doll because re-watching this show was a trip. <laughs> was it? Hello. Sorry? Yes, mommy. I'm hungry as a mama. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Um, my mom does the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Alright, let's get into Russian Doll. So, Russian Doll is a dramedy on Netflix. It is Produced, directed, written, created by Amy Poehler, um, Leslie Hedlund, and I i know her name, Natasha Leon. I keep wanting to call her Nadia. That is not her real name. <laughs> I think that's her name in the show. It's her name that's in the why. show. And in the show, basically season one of Russia Doll follows Nadia. She's cynical. She's self-absorbed. She's a chain smoker. She's an alcoholic. You know, she's amazing. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and the show follows kind of a Groundhog Day formula where Nadia is reliving her 36th birthday over and over and over again. And she's trying to figure out 
why is it that she's reliving her 36th birthday? You may ask, Monica, how does she do that? Well, in every certain area where she tries to leave the apartment or in any scenario that she tries to change something, by the end of the night, she dies. That's essentially it. And she's trying to figure out why this keeps happening to her. And along the way, she meets a guy, Alan, who's going through his own Groundhog's Day loop as well. And he deals with this and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And they try to pair up together to figure out what's going on in the time loop to keep them stuck on this day. And watching that, um, when I first saw this show on Netflix, it was the first time I'd seen a show on Netflix and I was like, like it was literally, you know when you see a show on the like front page of Netflix, you could tell it's new? Yeah. I saw that show and I was like, you know what? Fine. And I just clicked play <laughs> because it had Amy Poehler and Natasha Leon, and I was like, you know what? These are two white women that I consider a safe bet. So I'm going to see what it's giving. And I remember watching it. It was the first time I ever watched the show and finished it. Around the same time everyone else had watched it and finished it. So I could actually be a part of the conversation. Because usually when things come out that are new, I don't watch it until like months after. Like Oh, sometimes I lag. <laughs> sometimes I am behind. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. it's a choice. Like I'm like, I do not want to experience this with you mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, sometimes you see something and it's like, you know, I'm going to wait for you guys to say what you like about it, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to see what I like about it, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I like to pace myself, which Netflix stresses me out with. Sometimes you pace yourself and they're like, LOL, you wanted season two, it's not happening. <laughs> it's like, oh, that show you need to watch? Well, you might as well get on it, because that's the only season there's left. Like, like clockwork. Like clockwork. Oh my gosh, Netflix, why do you keep doing this to us? I think they like to make us suffer just a little bit. Yeah. The just way that like, everybody loved First Kill, and now they just straight out the gate was like, whoops, guess what? Bye. Guess what? <laughs> guess what's not coming back? Oh man, and they did that same thing with Resident Evil, and I was like, oh. Yes, that was the one. That was like one of the one. And I was like, this is one of those few zombie things that, like, mm. I can get into. I'm mm. a little heartbroken, and yeah. it was a black lead. Uh. I'm still <sighs> going to watch it, because I had been meaning to watch. Because I've been meaning to watch some um, kind of scarier stuff. Like, I've gotten into Archive 81, which is another Netflix mm-hmm. show that they canceled, which sucks. Because it's actually really, really good. It was a show about this guy who's an archivist, and he gets paid to go to this old house to, like, um, basically restore some tapes and so mm-hmm. and the show follows him and this girl Melody who is going to the apartment where the tapes were like she's the one taping and recording everything so he's restoring her tapes and he like bends through the space time continuum a little bit and he can like see her but he also like has like a thing with mental health going on and like overall it oh was it's actually, giving Blair Witch it's very, a little bit mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Giving Blair Witch a little bit. Yeah, it was a really good show. That's the thing. I, like, I like, really, really liked it, and I really did enjoy watching it. But the thing is, is that, like, they canceled it after one season, which sucks, because it had a lot of potential. Like, it was giving... It was kind of like Russian Doll, where it's, like, one of those shows where, like, it's a very new concept. Um, the leads in the show are very talented, and they're giving a lot to the work, and it's kind of focusing on, like, history and like past traumas and like giving a supernatural element to it and with season two 
was like so perfectly set up in Archive 81 for it to be cancelled was such a disappointment because it's it's exactly the kind of show that Netflix should invest more into but they're yeah. like sometimes I think they make the pull the plug decision a little too early mm-hmm. a little too early <laughs> let the girl linger a little bit like I think I read somewhere that they make that decision within I think the first two weeks of something dropping mm-hmm. like they binge is truly the name of their game and I'm like mm. and the thing that sucks is that it was it had good um, from what I could see good viewership numbers because it was number one for Netflix to show for a while and it's also well liked by critics so for them to pull the plug on it just shows that like they want to focus more on making reality content and focus less on making quality things. The only thing of quality they want to have is, for some reason, Stranger Things, I guess. Yeah. I'm like, that's about to wrap. You, I don't know what the next you need to invest thing in is going to be. <laughs> Let's hope it's Russian talk. Like, you need to invest in something. Because, like, apparently <laughs> the only other thing that's worth watching on Netflix are... Mike Flanagan's miniseries that he's giving us. But I can't keep reliving every kind of trauma you're want to give me. Like, we went through Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Blind Manor, Midnight Ugh. Mass. Next is, uh, The Fall of the House of Usher. I don't know how much else I can take. Like, the only other thing that's keeping Netflix alive is the Harlan Corbin book-to-TV adaptations they have. They were, mm-hmm. they were like more than three of them possibly eight i don't know harlan corbin apparently all his books are becoming a one season miniseries for netflix mm. yeah like harlan corbin netflix it gives you like a list of shows it's so strange yeah i didn't yeah. realize that he was like such a well-liked writer i, I feel like i say that every time someone's like oh yeah this thing i'm like oh i didn't know that was I feel like the internet puts me in, like, such niche bubbles that sometimes I really can't tell if something is actually popular mm-hmm. or if it's just, like, popular in my niche. And then mm-hmm. there are things that are crazy popular that just goes right over my head. Yeah. It's a lot of times when, like, with uh, Our Flag Means Death, that was, like, the first time I heard of a show on TikTok in my own little niche bubble, but then I saw the, like, Oh, no, my bubble is not that small because it is the most watched show now above Euphoria. And everybody watches Euphoria. So either y'all are a lot bigger than I think it is, or y'all just keep re-watching this show. Either way, it's fine. I feel like like social media did help with Our Flag Made Death because, Mm. to keep it a buck, I feel like I didn't see that much promotion for it, like, at all. I heard of it through word of mouth through, like, other people on TikTok who had been watching it, and Mm. then I, like... I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. I see it on the HBO homepage. But I, as far as, like, formal promo, I feel like I didn't really see that much of it. Yeah. And, like, for some reason, I don't know what it is. Streaming services need to do a lot better with their marketing plans. Because I get on Netflix about this every single episode. And it's so irritating. Like, just because people like to scroll through your site, does not mean people see the things that are there because you're not promoting them. Like, there is a show on HBO Max called Southside, which if you like rap shit, you should watch oh, Southside. 
It's so good. Oh and it's gosh. so slept on. Yes, it's it so is. slept on. I think you saw the tweet that was like, what show do you think was like overhyped and then underrated? I should have said, I should have said Southside for underrated. Because <laughs> the way I heard about it on a podcast, yeah. like um, the black woman, I'm blanking on her name. She is on the new iCarly. And she has a podcast called Scam Goddess, oh. and she just like spills the tea on popular scams and like historical scams. Wait, she's on Nick Curly? Yes. She's on Nick Curly? Yes. Oh. And she had uh, one of the guys on Southside on her show, and he was talking about it. And I was like, oh, this show seems interesting. I'll check it out. Yo, I was not expecting it to be that funny. It blew me away. <laughs> Oh, she is on that card. Oh, I actually listen to her podcast from time to time, but I didn't realize. Okay, you know, rap the girl who was on rap shit, um, the girl who worked at the hotel. Her real name is Ida, and she's also on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> what's the podcast called? It's from Cooking Media. Um, crap, crap. Now I have to look it up. Her name is Ida. Wow, Osman. Yeah. Keep it. The podcast. Keep it. I don't know if you've heard. I've of it. never heard of this. Let's <laughs> check it out. <laughs> it's really good. It's a really good podcast. I am behind on it. And I've listened to it because like, I can't listen to podcasts where they're talking about new things and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this. I won't. Right. <laughs> some some stuff I'm willing to be like, okay, I'll accept the spoilers, but other things I'm like, ooh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely get that. Okay. Oh my gosh. All right. Um, I have to listen to Scam Goddess again. It's been a while since I listened to that. I've been. Needing... It's honestly same. Honestly same. <laughs> I need something fun to listen to. Okay, we have gone off topic. Um, Very. <laughs> let's get back into Russian Doll. All right. So the reason why. Okay. So, I don't really want to go, like, episode by episode when it comes to reviews. I just like to give the general overview and then, like, my Mm -hmm. thoughts. And the one thing I really did like about Russian Doll is that, like, the Groundhog's Day trope, after a few episodes, to me, was getting tired. So, it's kind of like, okay, I don't know how much longer I can watch this show. There needs to be something else. And then Alan's episode came up, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I like that he's, like, completely different from Nadia. I like that he's, like, a neat freak. He, like, needs things to be a certain way. And, you know, he is in love with this girl, Beatrice, who is so pretty. And, like, she was in Orange is the New Black, right? Yes. Okay, now I have to look at Orange is the New Black cast. I can't remember what her name was on Orange is the New Black. Her name was She was the one who got pregnant with porn porn stash not porn stash i think didn't wasn't she pregnant with no she was pregnant with the other guard and i think they had lied (laughs) it was porn stash messy yeah her name is dasha polanco she's so beautiful she was i was the continuous dumping Mm mm-hmm hurt yeah. me a little bit because he was like so he had like that little dorky sweet vibe going on that I was mm-hmm. like I get why she was breaking up with him 
but it hurt to see it. <laughs> yeah. It did hurt to see it. But um, he and uh, Natasha's character, Nadia, Alan mm. and Nadia, really reminded me of the good place, Eleanor and Chidi. Like, mm. that idea of, like, like, when she talks about, like, morality is kind of relative, mm. I was like, I can see, like, the idea of, like, what makes a good and bad person, like, also being relative. Because I feel like with Nadia, it's easy to be like, okay, she's an unlikable character because her vices are kind of more universally seen as, like, bad. Like, she's selfish. Like you said, she smokes a lot. She drinks a lot. Like, she's very blunt to the point. I'm about my pleasure first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Whereas Alan was almost, like, put himself at the bottom of the totem pole to a point where it made everyone around him a little uncomfortable. Yeah. He was just, like, so timid. You know, so yeah. very and quiet. And it was like his uh, girlfriend had explained it best where she was like, because he was like so timid and so passive and like didn't really do things, she felt like almost like burdened by it. Like, okay, like I'm the one that's like really carrying everything. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was really interesting. Like, especially once you compared him to Nadia and you see the like reverse of that. Mm-hmm. And it's great because Nadia's, like, vice, like, her selfishness was what Alan needed to grow. And then Alan, his selflessness was what Nadia needed. And I just, oh, I love a good, I love a good foil moment like that. I really did like Alan. Um, I thought he was, he seemed very, he was very relatable to me. As someone who, like, just tries to, like, keep everything a certain way mm-hmm. and not, like, you know, get in people's way and stuff like that. And overall, like, season one was so interesting because I feel like with some shows, when you're watching it, the the audience kind of gets what the character needs to do before mm-hmm. the character does it. So it's kind of like, okay, well, they have to do this. It should be easy. It should be simple. But as you're watching the show, the show lays out why it's so difficult for Nadia to see what she needs to do at the end. You know, it's right. so difficult for her to, like, realize that, like, you are holding yourself back. You're trying to break out of this loop, break out of this cycle, which, of course, is a metaphor for, like, the cycles that we fall into from the problems that we have and how we keep doing the same things over and over again and we wonder why we don't get the same results. And, you know, Nadia is in this cycle because it's her 36th birthday, Mm-hmm. And when her mother turned 36, that's when she died. And now she's dealing with this grief at such, not, well, kind of young, because 36 isn't that old. Yeah. But she's kind of trying to figure out her emotions around it. And she can't, because she feels like she's stuck. And she's literally stuck. You know? Yes. <laughs> I like the two characters so much. And I like how they kind of, like, just pair together in, like, opposites. And it's very, it was hard to watch Nadia, like, see her with her mom. Her mom played by oh, Chloe yeah. Savinki? That's how I say her last name. I, your guess is as good as mom Like, Chloe Siv, Sevni. Siv, I'm sorry. You know, homegirl from American Apologies. Psycho. That's. Apologies to her. Apologies to her. She is a really good actress. 
And it was so interesting to like, not interesting, but like, it's hard to see a character go through something and then you're like, oh, this is something I have to go through in my life. Mm. (laughs) How my my toes curl. The way the past two to three years media has just been like, mother-daughter relationships, let's get into it. (laughs) The way media is like, I've been through therapy now it's time for me to take my pain and just put it into art. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, we're unpacking family trauma. <laughs> just it's how funny. I felt. And it's, it's one of those moments. Normally I feel like sometimes when I watch stuff with like unlikable characters or like characters who they keep making the same mistake, normally I feel like I get frustrated and just end up bailing out. But the way they put it together and the way that you can see Nadia wanting to become better but struggling to like actually push herself out of her comfort zone to take that step mm-hmm. really got me to empathize with her and like really made me stick around. And I was like, girl, I am rooting for you. Yeah. Like you are going to figure this time loop out. I am rooting for you. Yeah. Like you only want people to grow, you know? Right. Like... I don't know. I feel like Gossip Girl, the original show, is one of my favorite shows to, like, pull unlikable characters. Because in my opinion, both the people in that show are unlikable, in a way. Tremendously so. Yeah. Because, like, they're all... Like, Blair? (laughs) Who? But who did I stand? (laughs) I was a... I was a Blair girly, and I couldn't stand her. Like, the... Like, Like, the way that I watched that show when I was younger, I liked Dan so much. Like, I thought, oh my gosh, Dan's so relatable. He's so nice. When I'm older now, I'm like, Dan? Oh my gosh. Like, someone needs to talk to Ben Ben Badgley as to why he keeps playing these nice guys. Like, Oh, and he does it so well. He does it so well. Like, I'd be seeing him and I'd be like... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like, hi, Ben. Which, <laughs> gentle sidestep. Yeah. I do the same thing with Chris Pine mm-hmm. because I saw Princess Diaries when I was, like, so young. I, like, understood that movies weren't real, but I don't think I grasped the difference between actors and characters. Mm-hmm. And the way he did Princess Mia in that movie, every time I see Chris Pine in a movie, I'm like, don't trust him. He gonna backstab you, girl. Mm. <laughs> every time. <laughs> Chris Pine is so attractive. Like... The way that he it's should be a rom-com darling. I, the way I would go to war to see Chris Pine just dominate the rom-com industry. I need to know why it was Ryan Gosling. Go to the church. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, good. I need to know why it was Ryan Gosling that y'all wanted to give it to as attractive, but not Chris Pine. I had the same thought about Matthew McConaughey. Listen, I, I hate to say it, and but I you should say it. it. But you should say it. Why is it that the guy who looks like not was saying in profile, a he would be holding like two fishes? A fish? And be on his horse, 
being like, you know how to ride. Because you know what? That is his vibe. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to be in Texas going for like a drive and I looked over and he was in a field on a horse, cowboy hat on, looking over yonder, no surprise, mm-hmm. no shock in my heart. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, he wanted to run for governor of Texas, I believe. I feel like I need celebrities to stop that. Stop getting involved. Listen, you can donate money, but if you start putting your money together for a political campaign, that's not... I'm sorry, that's not a viable option. We can campaign for Oscars. Yes. We can campaign for Emmys. Mm -hmm. Maybe I will give you at most city council members. But anything else, please leave it where it lay. Mm, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. I'm okay. Like, (laughs) you know, Dwayne, you seem like a nice guy, but you're also friends. I, like, I don't. I don't know if I want to know that much about what you think about politics. Yeah. I don't. Just stick to the action. I like the illusion of you that exists in my head. You know, when you did that movie where you fought Godzilla in a furry lizard, I thought that was actually quite a masterpiece, and I feel like you should make more of those. Yes. I feel like you should make more of those. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know who has a show called Young Rock and ABC? I haven't watched it. I don't think I'm going to watch it. I know that that show is literally only set up to set him up to make him more relatable to people and thus move him into his political career. Oh no! Yeah, I shouldn't have said. He's never like shied that. away from <laughs> running for office. Like he's never shied away from it. For some reason, mm. we can't host the Oscars, but running a country, sure. Mm. Let's start small, okay? If you want to be governor of California, I think that would be okay. I'm not even really sure about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure about mm. that one either. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <sighs> At the city council member at best, and I will stand ten toes down on it. Yeah, cause like this is this is a little tangent, but I don't need rich people making the laws for everyday people, cause rich people don't understand what we go through. Like JC no. joining that Twitter space with DJ Khaled, where he said that being called a capitalist is the same thing as being called the N word, and it's not, because I can acknowledge Jay Z and his activism with like making the Khalif uh, Browder documentary which needed to mm-hmm. be made because Khalif's story needs to be told and other ways that he has donated and like given back to people but I also can acknowledge the fact that like Jay-Z has been someone who will tout himself as a revolutionary in a way and yet you buy apartments and you buy real estate and you raise up the rates to amplify gentrification you don't make it more accessible to more people like you the second the nfl did like a half-ass apology to colin kaepernick suddenly you're an investor in the nfl even though like a year or two ago you're telling the nfl to like kiss your ass on your album <laughs> like yeah be for real. i i got a lot of thoughts about that and mostly it's just like sometimes you just gotta acknowledge there's a disconnect mm-hmm and I feel like not enough it's something you just got knowledge of the disconnect yeah and I feel like sometimes celebrities just gotta acknowledge the fact that 
Mm. You're not relatable. Like No, you're not relatable. The money that you spend on your clothes, if I had that money, that would change my life. To you, it's pocket change. That's a yeah. big difference between two of us. Sometimes when celebrities try to get relatable, it feels... It just, it just there's always something a little like mm. it's like it's like when you hear them say like oh we all have the same twenty four hours it's like do we do we we all have the same twenty four hours <laughs> but we don't have the same money we all have the same twenty four hours but you have staff you know what right. I mean right like we is it the, the same twenty four hours, hours but you when you have a driver and I have to commute have myself to set up <laughs> money in your life that you still get paid off of residuals off of investments. Right off of Bitcoin or wherever it is you invest your money in. Me, I have to work for the majority of my 24 hours and also sleep. I have seven hours of free time. And half of that, and I spend one hour in traffic. So and that's like, and that's seven hours, like, no kids. Like, mm-hmm. like if you come home, you have kids, okay, now you gotta feed them, you gotta bathe them, you gotta make sure they're getting homework, like, so, like, I just, I saw this one tweet that was like, don't take advice from people who their parents have a Wikipedia page or like they have, like sometimes you just can't take <laughs> yeah. that advice that I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's some advice that you can take, like get up early, you know, make a schedule, right. try to manage your time better, drink more water, meditate. Of course, right. you can do all those things, but like, there's some advice I'm just not going to take, you know. It may right. work for you, but that's just not my ministry. Like, sometimes you just have to acknowledge that the situations are not the exact same. Yeah. And, and we just have to leave it. You just have to leave it at that. <laughs> all right. And, you know, at least my situation isn't being stuck in a 24-hour time loop. Because that would be horrible. <gasps> and I am literally... Okay, I was thinking to myself, I was like... D- what would you do, like, in a 24-hour time loop? Because I feel like I would either probably be like Alan, or I'd get, like, a little agoraphobic, where I'm, like, I have my routine, my schedule, like, he made it out the apartment. I don't know if I'd make it out of my apartment <laughs> for the first couple go-rounds. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I would either be like that, where I'm, like, everything feels the exact same, and I'm comfortable with that, and that's how we're doing it, because I know what'll happen next, mm-hmm. and this is the comfort zone, and then I feel like I would immediately switch over to, like, nothing matters, what's the point, streaks down the street, it'll <laughs> reset anyway. <laughs> Go streaking down the street. Like, it'll reset anyways. But I think um, the thing that I, I wondered, and they didn't explain in the show, and, like, I'm kind of glad they didn't, but it makes me so curious. Can they feel their death? I don't, I, I, I a think, morbid turn, but like I think that the thing is that like every single one that they've gone through was so quick that it was practically painless. So okay. the moment where they would like they instead wake up in a way. Okay, because yeah. I was like, I I would be very hesitant to do anything if I had to. No, that like mm-hmm. at the end of the day like you you just have to like it's just curtains yeah. 
Yeah, I'm glad that they broke out of the loop, but it, like, it threw me through a loop when they actually broke out of it, and they ended up in two different timelines. Yes. Because you're like, oh, do we do all this for nothing? Yes. Hello? But I, I do like that the way, like, how they had the moment of, like, okay, we have a chance to correct our wrong. I like that the loop did bring them back to that, like, full circle moment, and it's like, okay, now... Mm-hmm. we've been through the test you did the class here's the final exam right. like i i did like that it kind of almost reminded me of everything everywhere all at once so i haven't seen that movie oh i will be quiet <laughs> because i don't want to i don't even want to say a single word about a single anything oh because gosh. that's just that's one of those movies where i feel like you will enjoy it best when you know nothing and mm-hmm. you're just like you just let it take you but, i definitely yeah. have been meaning to watch it Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. It's I feel like you will really enjoy it. I feel like you will really enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you. I I would I like from what everyone has told me, they said it's really good and like my friend Glenn, he talked about it for like months on end how excited he was to watch it. So, I do want to watch it. It's just a, like it's definitely a movie that you should see with other people. So, I kind of want to try and do like mm-hmm. a Discord like movie night one day Ooh, and try fine. and like get a bunch of other people to watch it with me. But I have to figure that out first. But, yeah. Oh, fun. What's it called? Yeah, no, I cried. Um, <laughs> Russian Doll almost got me, though. It almost yes. got me. Like, the final two episodes, I literally, like, you can see my TV, I literally was just standing in front of it. Like, <laughs> couldn't even sit on the sofa. <laughs> I was like, dude. <laughs> just to me, because, like, like, have you ever had that moment where you're, like, watching TV and your parents, like, I don't want to watch, and then you look over and they're, like, standing in, like, the power pose, like, yeah. that was me. Yeah. That was me. I was, it had me. It and I feel like, it, and I feel like it did a good job of switching things up often enough where, like, when it started to lull, it was like, okay, we have a jolt, but not so much that it got confusing, because like you said, there was, like, a moment where I was like, okay, the groundhog thing, I don't know if it, like, like I got sick of it, mm-hmm. but I definitely found myself thinking, okay, we got eight episodes and we don't have right. things right now. <laughs> like how many, how many times can I really watch this girl like wake up in the bathroom yeah. before it? And then they had that moment where she and Alan are in the elevator, and he's like, "Mom, just chill. I die all the time." And she's like, "Yes, yeah, Because when he said that, the way I sat up in my seat. Yes. Yes. Because I was just watching, and I was just like, like, him literally, admitting, it was like, oh, 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 okay. Literally clutching pearls, like. I was like, finally, something what, else. What did he say? I was like, <laughs> good food, Jesus Christ, give me something. Good soup. I just want to say, like, when Nadia thought that it was because of the apartment, and the apartment was haunted... I was like, ooh, that's not a bad idea. But it wasn't. No, I was with it. I was with it at first. I yeah. was like, okay, you've pissed off a day. Yeah. I like when the rabbi said, you can, only, um, you can only reach certain information through surrender. And, like, you see that, like, we're in episode three, and she's, like, fighting and fighting and fighting. It's the thing when, like, you, it's kind of like, it is grief. You know, people, when they want to understand um, those who have passed away, like, why did they do this? Why did they act like this? You can only reach certain information through surrender, which basically just means, like, 
there will be people in your life that will leave you and you will not know their full story sometimes Mm -hmm. what you need to do is just kind of let that go because the pieces will reveal themselves and Nadia had lost her mother when she was very young and her mom was really young too at that age and Nadia reaching that age and having kind of like this like midlife crisis you know where she's not in her Jesus year but she's in the year where this is where her mom you know basically left this earth because when Mm -hmm. Nadia was young um, basically her mom had a lot of problems and a social worker asked her would she want to stay with her mom or would she stay with Ruthie and I think Ruthie is I don't think Ruthie is her mom's sister, just like her mom's good friend, right? Yeah. So Nadia, I I was getting auntie vibes, but I don't know yeah. if it's biological auntie. <laughs> I don't think she's biological, but she seems to know her like a mother. Mm-hmm. And Nadia chose Ruthie, and then a year later, Nadia's mother took her life. So that's kind of where this all of this grief is coming from, and obviously subsequent issues with like drug abuse and like sleeping having casual sex with terrible men kind of like the same way that her mother did just trying to cope with it and you know she finally realizes that she was just she was just holding on to this guilt because she felt like she had hurt her mother to the point where like she broke her mother's heart and of course Ruthie telling her and letting her know that like at the end of the day you were a child and your mom had the issues that she had and it wasn't your fault and sometimes things happen and you can't change the way that things are. You just have to accept right. it, you know. And it's a hard And I love the foreshadowing with that. Mm. Like, with the priest saying that so early in the show, and then it's not until episode eight or, like, mm. seven that it, like, resonates and it's like, okay, I surrender. Mm-hmm. I was crazy to me, especially because sometimes having that acceptance of, like, sometimes people will leave you in processing that grief like you really just have to accept it and I think there's so many different ways that like people just don't process grief and I feel like especially during the pandemic like mm-hmm. like when you think about it so much craziness has happened in the past yeah. two years and it's kind of like there hasn't really been a moment of like pause reflect think more and like it's kind of just been like go 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 and people have like remarked about it on Twitter like it's kind of crazy that like this pandemic and like over a million people died and all this and there really hasn't been like any national sense of like let's pause it's more and it's just been like all right red's shining grind (laughs) like life keeps going and sometimes you just have to sometimes you have to surrender and like you have to pause and just feel the feelings Mm -hmm. there hasn't been any kind of like memorial really for the people that we've lost and i think that's because like people keep trying to like especially corporations keep trying to put push COVID as like oh you know it's only gonna last like a few months and a few months turn into a couple months and a couple months turn into a year and now we're in year two and we have a second disease now like yep. we're gonna go into year three soon and people you're right it was all about rice and grind but it was mainly because no one really wanted to acknowledge the fact that coronavirus is a lot bigger of a problem than people thought it would be and mm-hmm. there was a true failure behind how it was handled and how it's still being handled because everybody wants to brush it off and just like they don't want to put their lives on hold they don't want to do what it takes to really stop the spread of this virus and no one wants to admit that there is a virus out that could kill people but instead you have people want to put priority over the things that keep give them pleasure and here in america 
because we live in such an individualistic society where everyone believes that you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and that it's all one man for himself and if something goes wrong like everything is everyone else's responsibility and you have your own responsibility for what's going on in your life as if we don't have an entire government controlling certain things in certain people's lives and how like there's currently like in Missouri there's a whole city where people do not have clean water like everyone is drinking bottled water like there are communities in this country where people do not have access to the internet and access to accessible things that a lot of people do have if you live in suburban areas or in metropolitan communities and in those suburban areas metropolitan communities is where there was a lot of people who had covid but they either didn't tell somebody or you know like it's truly just frustrating and also just like y'all could have just put on your mask and like <laughs> <laughs> like y'all could have do one thing we all had like just a couple things we had to do for the next couple months and then a few too many governors got a little too quick and a little too big for their britches they're like you know what let's open up everything let's have kids running around in the schools without masks on let's open up like all the shops da, 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 da. it's like it just was handled poorly because the people they want to like write it off as like the people who did die from covid oh that's their fault they were unhealthy in these things like it the, I, like anyone can get sick anyone could have had covid of course it targeted certain people because more people are at risk but like at the end of the day like people died and you don't want to acknowledge these deaths because then you would have to acknowledge where there was a failure in containing this virus and containing this disease and if you had to acknowledge that then you have to admit you're wrong and you don't want to admit that you're wrong because you want to be so right in what you believe and what you think about and you don't want to see yourself as the bad guy situation but you just might be the bad guy you just might be the bad guy and I feel like Nadia was like too quick to see herself as the bad guy that way she there was like a reason behind why she like hated herself and her life when it wasn't her fault that like her mom was dealing with that and it wasn't Alan's fault that he is very controlling over little things he just wants things to go a certain way and he wants people to be happy to the point where he does not prioritize his own happiness and if he prioritized yeah. the things that he wanted, he would be too scared to do that because he would be scared that it would hurt the people that he cares about. But he doesn't realize that the people that he cares about would just want him to do what makes him happy regardless of how it's going to make them feel, you know? Right. And, like, what you said about, like, um, the U.S., like, having a very individualistic culture, like, I feel like the same way Russian Doll kind of honed in on like the you gotta let yourself you have to surrender you have to allow yourself to feel I feel like Russian doll honed in on that too because Nadia was very individualistic and so was Alan to an extent like his refusal to get therapy his refusal to really open and connect with others emotionally Nadia had like a similar thing going on and the universe kind of had to be like force them together and be like nope this is not something you can do alone this is something where you need community and that was also something crazy like seeing you kind of got the vibe that like okay they need each other but realizing they need each other and then seeing them finally accept that in the end like especially I love like the foreshadowing of like Nadia with the video game she had made like Mm -hmm. the first one 
where he was like, oh, no, it's horrendous. It's like this one-player game. You can do everything by yourself, and it's like it's it just simply can't happen. And I'm like, ooh, girl, that's so meta. <laughs> <laughs> It's so bad. Because, ooh, look in the mirror, baby. Mm. (laughs) But, like, especially, like, the deeper we go into the show, seeing them, like, slowly, slowly open up, open up until they're like, I have feelings, I'm feeling everything, Mm -hmm. and I'm laying it all bare. Because if I lay it bare, then I can help you and you can help me. (laughs) Yeah. I like that they opened up, and I'm glad that they did because. Speaking of, like, she is a coder in the show, and she brings up this point of, like, sometimes there's a bug in the game, and then if there's a bug, it'll make the system or the game crash. So if Mm -hmm. they can fix the bug, they can stop the crash. And them realizing that, basically, to break the loop, they have to make things right. And it, like, when Nadia is on the roof with Alan... I truly oh. am, like, gripping... I was, like, gripping my seat. I was really watching gripping my seat. I was like, oh my gosh. Please. Because I was like, like, Nadia, just be nice. Jesus Christ. Just, like, in your heart. In your body. Find one right. shred of kindness within you. But I think her honesty was what really helped because Alan is so used to people... Because he works so hard to make everyone else happy, no one else has really taken the time to, like just be so straightforward with him and Mm -hmm. because Nadia is straightforward with him and honest with him he can truly see that like you know it's gonna be okay like even though it's not gonna be perfect tomorrow at least you're not gonna be alone and that should be enough and it was enough for him and it helped them like confront their inner demons and you know have the little parade under the bridge was like the trippiest moment for me because then it just opened up another question for you. I was like, okay, so the alternate timeline is closed? Like, Right. Did it? we, like, merge back into one? Yeah, I was like, everything <laughs> resolved now? Where did the parade come right. from? Where did the parade come from? It, I did. I had questions with the parade. And mm-hmm. I, like, I've been meaning to do some, I've been meaning to do some Google and be like, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I, I definitely do enjoy how many little things were sprinkled throughout the show that, like, came back. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. Yeah, the parade. I was just like, what? Hmm? Like, let's... I, I had so many questions. <laughs> and it was kind of... It was a very quick moment. Mm-hmm. Compared to, like, every... Like, all the other scenes we had, the parade, I feel like, happened very quickly, but yet it felt like big yeah and overall like even like natasha leon everyone in the cast is amazing especially maxine i think she's very funny i think mm-hmm. she's <laughs> i like a nice little like neurotic character you know sometimes you need the one character who's just gonna be like silly on purpose and i enjoyed right. that i vibed i also vibed with like i vibed with natasha's little friend group like, I enjoyed the fact that it was the type of friendship they had was one where, like, you could yell at each other. Like, you might say hurtful things. Maybe you might throw a drink on somebody. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. there's the knowledge that, like, 
underneath it all, there's this foundation of love, and we are going to be all right. Like, yeah. Which is crazy because I what like that foundation didn't exist in so many other places. Like every other relationship in her life just felt so crazy tumultuous. Like, mm. um, the the guy that she had been seeing, who was like married when they first got together, and he mm. like really wanted her his daughter like that was a relationship that just like kept falling apart kept falling apart like mm-hmm. the aunt was a relationship that didn't really it didn't fall apart in the sense that they had a falling out but it was the fact that she was consistently like dying in front of her aunt it was it was nice to have a little bit of I don't know if I'd call it like 100% stable but it was nice that there was there was that foundation that was a little bit more sturdy mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I overall just I love seeing shows where they take like you know trauma and you just kind of like reveal it to oh, us. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. I love it when they dig deep. Um, yeah. That was because when I had first heard of Russian Doll, I did think it was going to be a little bit like Groundhog Day. <laughs> it's like a little lighthearted. Um, and they do have, like, the moment of, like, you know, do good. But Groundhog Day is, like, a comedy. Mm-hmm. And so the message is there, but I feel like it doesn't dig as deep as, like, Russian Doll did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, Russian Doll was one of those shows where I was like, okay, I think I need to lie down. <laughs> also, with Russian Doll, like, a lot of times when men write characters and they're meant to write women... And it's supposed to be, like, unlikable, or they're not supposed to be, like, the put-together women. When men try to write women that are snarky, sarcastic, smoke, drink, she always has to walk around with her tits out, you know? Or, like, she always has to, like, wear leather or something like that, you know? There's, like, always something that's, like, don't worry, she's still fuckable. Yeah. Yeah. It was Nadia, you know, Natasha Leon, who is gorgeous and also phenomenal. Mm -hmm. A great actress altogether. You could tell, like, the character is so close to who Natasha is in person, but it's mm-hmm. not Natasha. You know, it's the character Nadia, and she embodies the character so well. And, like, her fashion, I love the clothes that she wears. Like, I want to dress like Nadia yeah. so badly. Same. Yeah. And I, I, what I like about Nadia is that she is a sexual character, but her character doesn't feel sexualized. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that she has a lot of sex and she likes having a lot of sex is a part of her character, but that's not the whole, like, that's not the whole of her character. Mm-hmm. It is just one piece of her. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes when people, like, when men write women characters who are meant to be, like, sexually active or, like, promiscuous, it it just comes, it's very one-dimensional, like, very... Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's giving, oh, I'm somebody who likes to sleep around... But there's this one guy that I've been with on again and off again, and I might want to make him my boyfriend, but I'm not sure yet. And he treats mm. her like trash. It's kind of like, ah, oh, this doesn't feel true to form. <laughs> right. But I like I liked Nadia's character, how it was like, this is just one part of her. And she she really did remind me of Eleanor, where she was like, it's just like she is messy, and sometimes she's hard to root for. Did you say Villanelle? Uh, sorry, she's like Eleanor from Good the oh, Good Place. Sorry, <laughs> where she's like messy. Like sometimes it's hard to root for her, mm-hmm. but you can see that she wants 
to be better. better. She wants yeah. to do good. It's, she just yeah. doesn't know how to take that first step. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I feel like that is what keeps you hooked, or that's what kept me hooked at least, was like seeing her struggle, but like ultimately being like, this is something that I'm going to do. Especially because for the first couple episodes, she wouldn't even entertain the idea that there needed to be some self-work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not me, it's the drugs, it's not me, it's the bathroom, yes. it's not me, it's the apartment building. Yes. And then the priest was like, girl, surrender. It's like, girl, you it's gotta <laughs> let go and just let it happen. Like, you, know? you accept the mess. Yes. Accept the mess. <laughs> yes. I really do love this show. And in season two, she actually does, like, accept it a lot more. Because mm-hmm. with season one, you know, we have overcome our demons. She realizes that she feels guilty over her mother's death. And she is moving past it. And season two takes place four years after the events of season one. Which is realistic because the show in season one was in 2019. And now we're in 2022. So it's four years. And one night, Nadia is going home. She gets on the train, the 6622 train, and she ends up in 1962. And suddenly, she is her mother. And now, instead of working through the trauma, we are now in, <laughs> in, in the, the person <laughs> that gave us the trauma, okay, essentially. Mother <laughs> is pregnant. We start in uh, 1962. The backstory is that her family were Hungarian Jews, and her grandmother Vera came to New York and had these kukurins, these very old gold coins, and 150 of them, very valuable. Because even though currency comes in and out, and you know inflation and all that stuff, and you know obviously people who have gone through very traumatic things like trauma caused in a global event like the Holocaust or genocide similar to the Holocaust, war, leaving a country, great migration, leads to people mistrusting the government and usually not having a bank account. So mm-hmm. her grandmother invested in cougarants because gold will always be valuable in the end of the day. So we begin at 1962 where her mother she knew that her mother at a young age stole the gold from her grandmother and then lost the gold and so basically did her best in season two she's basically trying to get the gold back she's like i'm gonna get the gold back i'm gonna fix my shit my mom has with her her mother it's gonna fix my relationship with my mother and then we're all gonna be good we're all gonna be okay and this season focuses a lot more on Nadia and less on Alan, mm-hmm. which I also did in the second season, but the second season, it was Alan and Nadia working together, you know? Yeah, I feel like once Nadia. Alan got introduced, he was there. Like, yeah. he was there. <laughs> and we definitely needed Alan to spice it up because I couldn't really focus on Nadia because there wasn't anything more to the story besides Nadia dying every, like, every day in season mm-hmm. one. In season two... We're focusing on a lot more complicated note where now we're <laughs> a lot more complicated note because now we're thinking with time travel in a supernatural train. And even though like 
the circumstances of the show has changed the overall meeting is just like let's work through our mommy issues <laughs> let's go through our mommy issues do you have mommy issues do i have a show for you <laughs> <laughs> i think the one thing i loved about season two is that like you know the things that make you you the things that you don't like about yourself you got from your parents and they got from their parents because mm-hmm. their parents raised them a certain way and then their parents raised them a certain way and now your parents are the way that they are because everything has happened before you and trauma is just a map that you have as a child and it takes a lifetime to just like uncover all of it and even when you uncover a little part of it there's still more to deduce there's still more to learn and the more you learn about who your family was when you're at your at, when they were at your age, is the more you realize that you are not that different, and the things that you're doing is literally like deja vu. Oh my gosh! And then there's that level of like forgiveness and acceptance too that comes with it. Like mm-hmm. you start to, I feel like there's a a point um, when you're kind of crossing that threshold into childhood into adulthood, where you come to terms with the fact that your parents aren't just mom and dad they're people mm-hmm. and they were figuring it out as they were having you and there's sometimes that like acceptance that comes with it that's like okay you aren't like the perfect all-knowing being that I thought you were as a child you're just a human with flaws trying to figure it out yeah and the one thing that's so interesting with season two is that Natasha Nadia is trying so hard to like fix everything and I think the more she spends with her mother, the more she realizes that, like, her mother messed up a lot of times, but there were times where, like, it was simply out of her control. Like, there were times where, like, she thought she was doing the right thing, she thought she was doing this and doing that, but sometimes it wasn't working out the way it was supposed to. Like, there was that one point where, like, she was just... Because she went to 1962 on the train, she can go back to 2022... She just has to get on the train. And it's very interesting the way that the show is working with time travel. Because there's mm-hmm. one point where Nadia goes back to 2022. And she's supposed to be looking for somebody. And she basically looks for this person in real life. Like in 2022. And the person she's looking for is Chess Carrera. It's her mother's ex-boyfriend or like ex-lover. Whoever he is. And she meets him when he is like older and he's like in a house he's just living it like raggedy and he tells her this analogy basically that like um what if there was something that could change everything you know like what if there's something that could make it all go away and it's essentially like coney island and basically it's the thing that you try to change so badly but even if you do change it it's not really going to change the circumstances of everything else mm-hmm. and that's literally like the message of season two because no matter what Nadia does to try and fix her like family history or try to change the things that happened in the past the past stays the past and the present is the present and it gets to the point where like she like she sees her mom but Mm -hmm. she's being her mom so she feels like she's talking to her mom and that she's there and Nadia keeps referring, like, I want you to understand, Nadia <laughs> is in her mother's body, 
And Ruthie is there. Ruthie is played by Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek. Mm. Alexis. Uh-huh. Like, she has, like, a brown wig and everything. I'm watching, I'm like, okay. Okay, Ruthie. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, we're watching it, and basically, um, what is it? When Nadia talks about, oh, my mom is so screwed up. Why is my mom acting like this? And Ruthie thinks that it's Nora, who is Nadia's mom, talking about Vera, who was Nadia's grandmother. And so Ruthie answers the question as if it is Nora, like, oh, you know, that's just how she is, the Hungarians, the Holocaust, all of that. And you as a watcher have to see, because it's still Natasha. Mm-hmm. It's only when you see a mirror that you see Nora. But it's Natasha that you see acting. Sometimes the camera will do a little thing where it passes over an object, obviously, and like you see Nora pretending mm-hmm. like in the fake pregnant belly. But for the most part, it's Nadia. And it's just kind of like giving that whole, like, you are your mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the things that Nora said about Vera, Nadia will say about Nora, and so on and so forth. It's like, you can end the generational trauma right so (laughs) clearly embedded in the bones of your family you know generational like seeing it play out on television is so interesting and with alan apparently like his grandmother went from ghana to berlin to get an education and she mm-hmm. had planned to go back to Ghana with her education, but she met this guy, Lenny, and Lenny wanted to escape East Berlin, you know, mm-hmm. and they basically dug this whole tunnel, and she was going to do that for him to let him leave. And Alan just didn't want to, like, he was okay pretending to be his grandma and, like, dating this guy, Lenny. Like, he didn't mind it for the most part. And he felt like, when he realized that Lenny was going to crawl under the tunnel, under the wall... He was like, oh, I have to stop it. That's what I'm here to do. But Alan quickly realized that, like, even though you are here in the past, you're not here to change the things that happened. You're here to see what happened in the past and see why you are the way that you are. Because Alan is less like his mom and more like his grandmother, where he tries to keep things a certain way. He tries to control things. He tries to look for the things that make him happy. And Alan living this kind of, like, boring life after the events Mm -hmm. of four years ago... Him getting on the supernatural, like, time travel train. What the heck? Sorry. I'm so sorry. Something just fell on my desk. That was weird. Oh. <laughs> but basically, him jumping on the supernatural time travel train and, like, seeing his grandmother, but seeing all the things that she went, seeing her, like, oh, she was in love with somebody that she never knew about. Mm-hmm. And this person left. It's just kind of, it just gives you context. It gives you the backstory. You're not meant to change the story. It's written the way that it's written. Right. And that's all that there is. You know? Like, And I like that. Some, sometimes <laughs> I feel like when people do time travel thing, it just gets wibbly-wobbly. Yeah, it's wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, time travel stuff. Like, <laughs> Jeremy Bear-me. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Bear-me. Like, sometimes... You can't go back in time and kill baby Hitler, you know, <laughs> as much as you want to. There right. are certain things that need to stay the way that they are. Yeah. 
And I love, what I like about Russian Doll is like the broader argument that you can pull from the show. Like the idea that like, okay, we can't change the past, but we have to learn about it. We have to understand it mm. because that's what informs our present, which will then inform our future. Like, we are doing especially to... especially in an era now where I feel like a lot of people kind of shy away from talking about the past, especially mm. when it comes to addressing the uglier parts of it. Mm. Like it's kind of like, Ooh, I don't want like I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about that. And it's like, mm. but if we if we're gonna talk about it, we gotta talk yeah. about the whole of it, like good, bad, medium. Like we have to talk about it all. We can't cherry pick what parts of the past we want to address yeah. because all of it impacts what's happening now mm-hmm. it's very similar to like obviously america and slavery and how like a lot of times people looked at slavery as like this bad scene on america's history or like it's a strange mystery and like it just happened so long ago but like we've grown we've mm-hmm. we've moved past it and the thing is like we haven't really grown past what happened because Slavery was an institution in our country for 400 years, and the way that it was so ingrained in our society, even when it ended, even when it was over, it wasn't truly over, because, uh, suffice it to say, if you spent 400 years making one group of people the lesser than group, those ideals and those mindsets don't go away so easily, and people kind of like adjust to it slave patrols become cops and then we go from slavery to sharecropping we go into segregation we move into the crack an opioid epidemic we move into redlining and school districts we move into race riots through the 90s and so on and so forth and it just continues and continues this is a vicious cycle to this day now we're dealing with gentrification and police brutality at a higher rate and you know people want to act like oh it happened in the past so it's done it's over and that's not the case you know some things don't just go away and lay down and die some things yeah. change names and, some... and you know yeah and some things that are in the past are not as far away as we would like them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was talking to someone about this, and they are talking about, like, the voter, like, a lot of new voting laws that are mm-hmm. being passed um, with, like, IDs and stuff, and people will say, like, oh, it's, like, reminiscent of laws that were passed um, in, like, a post-slavery America when black people started voting and it was like okay well that's not what we want mm-hmm. <laughs> what are some ways we could do that and it's like okay with the yeah. grandfather clause literacy tests like ID laws stuff like that and it's like we sometimes it's the same song it's important to, like it's, it's we have to look at the past because it's it's so it'll come back like mm-hmm. things will come back and it's important to look at the past so we can recognize these things because otherwise, it's like in Russian doll, like we're just passing on the same thing. It's just mm-hmm. happening over and over and over again. And then there's got to we have like there has to be a disruption somewhere. Yeah, there has to, to be a point change. where like we need to. There has to be a point in time where you see yourself 
doing the same thing over and over again and you gotta be like this is it like this, right something's got to change something's got to give something's got to give there's got to be a change, yeah. right? If we're doing the same thing over and over again, you cannot be surprised when we're getting the same results. Yeah. Sometimes you need to just do something else. You know what I mean? Like, Russian Doll is such an amazing show, and I love how layered it is. Like, I love the little nuances to it, especially in season two. I feel like season two is very ambitious in the writing and how the story is told and a lot of the time when a show decides to make a big jump or a big leap and try something new and try something different it falls flat but this show really does carry itself through the season and it really does give us like so much more and I would like for Alan and Nadia to have a more connected story for season three you know I understand that like Natasha Leung Natasha Leon is, you know, she's a direct, she's directed episodes of the show, she's written for the show, she stars in the show, you know, it's Russian Doll, it's mainly about her, but I would like to see Alan, you know, incorporate a little bit more. Yeah, especially because he's kind of, <laughs> there, there are a lot of characters of color in mm. the show, um, more than I think, like historically, we tend to see in TV shows, popular TV shows. Um, but they definitely are side characters. And something I enjoyed about season one was even though Alan wasn't the main character, he didn't feel like a side character. And he didn't feel like a character that only existed to like make. Nadia a better person like he mm -hmm. had his own storyline his own wants desires and goals and who bar on the floor but like the fact that, <laughs> the fact that we cleared it <laughs> yeah because historically I feel like it would have been very easy for the show especially in that first season to put him in like kind of that like magical negro stereotype like or not stereotype but trope Mm -hmm. Where it's like, oh, you're in like this magical situation, and it's a black character, and we're here to guide you and improve you. Mm -hmm. Mystical mumbo jumbo. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like it could have been really easy to fall into that trope, and they didn't. Yeah, I'm glad that they didn't. I'm happy that you know Alan was his own person, his own faults, his own story his own issues that he worked through and for season two you don't see him as much even though he is there and mm -hmm. he does have his own things that he still is trying to work through it's clear that we're focusing more on Nadia's story and why she is the way that she is which I don't mind for the most part because it's still very good like it's still very interesting to see everything that Nadia has gone through and just see her kind of work through her family stuff it's very strange because like when you're watching season two you have to remember, like, Nadia, you are your pregnant mother right now. Why are you smoking? Put out the cigarette, girl. Oh, man. Put it down. Oh, man. <laughs> Nadia, like, that's you you're messing up. <laughs> be for real. Like, be for real right now. Okay? <laughs> like, that's you. <laughs> yeah. It's also hard to watch it sometimes because, like, Nadia is fully making references to things like uh, Schindler List. 
and mm-hmm. like popular culture references that we would understand but where she is it is 1962 girl they don't have that yet you <laughs> sound ridiculous but yeah. I, I kind of get it, because mm-hmm. I do, I personally talk a lot in, like, TikTok sounds, Gen Z moment of shame. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I talk to my sister sometimes, I can definitely see, like, the glazed over eyes. Yeah. And she's like, girl, what are you talking about? Well, you, you put it like, Freddie, it's past your bedtime, what are you doing now? It's like, yeah, like, I'll just, <laughs> like, I'll just, like, reference something on TikTok, and it's just like, if you don't know, it really just sounds like I'm saying mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you say one joke for TikTok to a real life person, they think you're actually, like, so clever and smart, hilarious, or they're like, what? Oh, girl, this joke has been upcycled, recycled, deconstructed. <laughs> <laughs> like, fully being in a grocery store, and I was, like, looking for, like, golden Oreos, and I didn't see any. And I was like, how am I supposed to live, laugh, love under these conditions? And the mom next to me was like, <laughs> fully turned the head to look directly at me and then look back at her hand. I was like, okay, so I'm leaving this aisle pretending I didn't say that. Right. Yeah. And it, there's like that, there is that weird level of like embarrassment when they don't understand and you're like, ooh, you can't explain it. There's no mm-hmm. quick way to explain it. Because TikTok, like, so much internet memes are built upon, like, so many other memes that it's, like, you're ever going to have to do digital anthropology just to mm. explain this one joke. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. Like, like at first, but, like, and then sometimes it's one of those things where I'm, like, girl, if I had to explain this to you, it's going to be, like, so let me first take you to <laughs> 2010 Tumblr. I, I, now i got to explain the super who lock to you. Then yeah. i got to explain this. Then i, I got to explain that. Then I've got to explain there's some random message thread with the there's picture of Obama's eyeballs. Dog <laughs> to the joke, and it's like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, yeah. Oh my gosh, it reminded me of when I saw that TikTok from that guy, John Bones, and how he talks about how he finds all his bones. Literally, he's this creator on TikTok, and his whole shtick, his whole gimmick, is that he has a house full of bones. And he's talking about... Like, like real Real human bones in his house. I thought you meant, like, he was just in the woods, and he was like... He has a collection of spines. Like, I... This is gonna sound so stupid, but... Ethically sourced spines? No. He Wait, says, is he grave robbing? No. Listen. No. We've done this. <laughs> literally. Literally. I don't recite. That's Oh my gosh. Look. No. We've been. We've literally. We've done this before. We've, we've played this done game this. before. We've done this before. Oh. Oh my gosh. Breaking news. Do not rob graves. Please. And he was like, well, I don't know where they're all... Go- I get them from the black market. Like, I don't know if they're ethically sourced or something like that. I was like, why are you buying bones? I swear to God. If That's I, so weird. If I die and I'm in the pearly gates... And then suddenly my skull is on I eBay... And I see my skull <laughs> some dude's mantle... <laughs> We're gonna have a problem. <laughs> 
We're gonna clawing my problem. way out the earth. <laughs> if you pick up my skull to show it to your friends, I will bite you. I. I will be furious. I and the way my superstition works, I don't mm. want your bones. In my Why do you have bones? People, those I, bones used to house bodies, souls. Where do you where do you find the bone black market? Like if I were to get into, where do I begin? Like I have so many questions and I'm scared to get even Honestly, a fraction of the answers. I just the fact that to ask these questions makes me just the fact that Bone Gate got a season two. I am. The amount of times that, like, Tumblr trends or, like, weird things that happen on Tumblr have been repeated on TikTok, it's like, quite... Like, the researchers of Bo Burnham, like... And you know what it is? Hmm. It's just... I think that what it is is it's just, like... I think there's something about it that's just probably intrinsically tied to youth culture. Like, every everybody growing up goes through the same phase and has mm-hmm. the same thoughts. And the internet is just the first time that we're like documenting it in real time mm-hmm. amongst a huge group of people. And I just feel like every 10 years, it's just going to be the same cycle. We've just got, just got... So in 10 more years, when there's Bone Gate season three, <laughs> no. because that's, that's where we're heading. <laughs> Not to imply grave robbing is a part of youth culture, but... <laughs> kids are into weird things. Like, kids are into really weird things. Like, you know, they'll find a hobby I, out of anything. I don't know. I, yeah, anything but that. Anything but that. <laughs> it's the fact that you were like, no, he's just got bones. And I was like, yes. we've walked this path. Mm-hmm. It's what happens when you don't know your history. Uh, put him on the train, <laughs> put him on the train and send him back. I am truly just. Uh, is there anything else you want to say in regards to Russian doll before we wrap um, up? I I really think we hit it all. Just that this mm-hmm. it was phenomenal. Like I really, especially that first episode, I really think that is the best pilot of any Netflix show. Mm-hmm. I will stand ten toes down on that statement. <laughs> I am so proud of Amy Poehler for creating a show that is different, interesting, just all around, completely new and fresh and an amazing perspective. And, you know, I just hope that Netflix gives way for more shows like this to be made and to give them legs to stand on, like let them breathe a little bit. Jesus. Yes. I'm like, we give the experimental girlies a place to stand and vibe. Like I... I just need Netflix to really commit to investing in something. But I agree with you. This is, I feel like, a breath of fresh air from Amy Poehler. Yeah. I think that it's really, it's also really great to see people that you usually see in, like, one certain genre do something completely different. You know, like, mm-hmm. John Krasinski going from The Office to, like, making A Quiet Place is really, like, the kind of transition I want a lot of more actors to do. You know, like, Jordan Peele going from um, doing Key and Peele to not be yes. a critically acclaimed Going director. Going comedy to, like, king of horror. Mm-hmm. Ooh, he give deserves. him his flowers. Oh, give my gosh. Give it to him. Oh, he's my He's going to get it no matter what. Period. Yeah. Period. Yeah, that's honestly well so deserved. Happy. So proud. <laughs> but when you think about it, it's not 
too crazy when you when you like rewatch Key and Peele skits, it's not too crazy to see how he's able to thrive in the horror lane he's caused he's carved out for himself. Because his best sketches have always been the ones that's like holding up a, a mirror to something in society. Mm-hmm. It's like, look at yourself. Yeah. You look you look a little wonky. Yeah. Look clown like. I have a I he also said that he's going he wants to continue the stories of the Nope characters. I've not seen Nope yet, but I think it's a good idea. I I would be down for that. I, think I would be idea. down for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got so many thoughts on Nope. And I also <laughs> um there's a show there's a movie X. It was an eighteen twenty four film. It came out this year. It starred uh, Mia Goth, Janie Ortega, Brittany Snow, Kid Cudi, and apparently there's going to be a prequel film called yes. Pearl. I like completely missed X, but I saw the prequel film trailer. Yeah. They were like, "Oh, this is the prequel." I was like, "The pre- I Not me missing the first girly, but okay, Janie Ortega booked and busy, booked and busy. Janie Ortega is our new it girl. Like she is booked or horror? and she's our new it girl. Mm-hmm. like the new scream which i still haven't seen because that was, <laughs> i still haven't seen because i was housebound when that came out but um that she's in adam's family mm-hmm. i'm like the girl is this is i feel like her year yeah she is so i'm very proud of her i think jerry ortega is an amazing actress i knew from seeing her on you I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> this one. Oh, for me it was um. Oh man, this is gonna bother me. I might have to Google this real quick. What is she on is the it, Fosters? Was it was in HBO. I think, I think so. It was an HBO Max movie. Um. Oh, the mm, HBO Max movie with uh, the Fallout. Yeah, I mean to watch that. She knocked that one out of the park. I feel like it's going to be snubbed. Mm-hmm during Oscar seasons, because it came out during, like, that January-February dead time, almost. Uh, but, so ooh, cool. man. Ooh, man. She started on the show Stuck in the Middle, which is one of those newer Disney shows that came out. I was say, I don't even... It's past my time. It came out in 2016, ended in 2018, but I do vaguely remember that show. It was a show with, like, seven kids, and she was, like, somehow the middle child. Hmm. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. But, you know, shout out to her. She's doing great things. We're so proud. Jenny, oh. we're so proud of you. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like we have talked about Russian Doll. We've given our thoughts. We've said what we, you know, have loved. And... So now we're going to move to our segment called I'll Pass, where we're going to talk about movies, TV shows that are coming out soon, or any industry news that we've heard of that we're just going to pass on, you know. And the thing I'm going to pass on is Don't Worry Darling. If you don't know, there's been a lot of controversy and drama around mm-hmm. it. And... I should look so excited. I'm <laughs> <laughs> getting more comfortable. I'm... <laughs> I just want to say that I'm not going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always like to give female directors a chance. I do love mm-hmm. female-directed films. Usually those are my favorite kind of films. However, 
it's too messy. There's too much going on. And when I saw that clip of Harry Styles, I was just like, okay. So, y'all are going to waste my time. Y'all are going to waste my time. Is that what's happening? All right, we're good. Um, what am I passing on? I think what I'm passing on is being married to source material. Mm, explain. <laughs> I I feel like I'm hitting a point where I am appreciating that sometimes when putting things on the screen, it's an adaptation. Mm-hmm. So things are going to adapt. Some things are going to have to change. And sometimes, sometimes when we shake things up, we get something really great. Station Eleven is not completely different from the book, but they shook some things up. And I feel like it made the work more like stronger. Mm-hmm. I feel like She-Hulk is shaking things up, and <laughs> Adam's family, I feel like, is shaking things up, not from the source material, but maybe from, like, previous iterations, mm-hmm. and when some people are just married to the OG stuff, I feel like it stops them from really enjoying something new and exciting and fun, and I'm like, you know what, sometimes I just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. I just want to have fun, and I want to enjoy something new, and I'm not going to let the haters get me down. So if it's not a perfect adaptation, it doesn't do every little thing. Like, there are some tweaks. Oh, well. That doesn't mean it's going to automatically be a bad work of art. Are you talking about anything in general, or, like, specifically? Specifically, Adam's Family. I am sick of seeing people on the... Adam's Family and, like, anything Marvel, I feel like there are weird comic bros that are like, well, they changed this from page whatever... And then the Adams Family one, everybody was giving hate to, oh, what's his name, who got cast as Gomez. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, calm down, just because he looks different than previous yeah. Gomez's, you're, like, not going to give it the time of day? Right. Like, what? Just give it a chance, bro. Like, Jesus. Like, don't marry yourself so hard to the original yeah. material. Like, let them shake things up. Yeah. Like, let something new come to form. Like, let's, right. let's try something else, you know? I think uh, that um, I'm kind of the same. I'm kind of someone who is married to the source material. But mm-hmm. I mean that more in terms of, like, I don't like continuations, I guess I would say. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like continuations. I don't like remakes. You know, like with Gossip Girl... I understand why they did a reboot version of it. I think that the original holds up pretty well, and I feel like the <laughs> reboot does not give you the same... It's not the same. Because the thing about Gossip Girl, when it came on every single week for those six or seven seasons, it really was that show. It was Euphoria before mm-hmm. Euphoria was a thing. It was so good. That is, actually, that is the best description I've heard of yes. Gossip Girl. It was like, Euphoria before Euphoria, like, if there was an It Girl show, it would be Gossip Girl. It was, like, interesting, it was scandalous, it was sexy, it was riveting, each episode was just 10 out of 10 out of the park, like, you were just in, you were invested in these people's lives, also in the parents' lives, I don't understand why the parents got involved so much, like, I Because like, I could, they could keep it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it. Also, it it was kind of like, y'all are like maybe 15, 20 years difference from these actors who are playing the teens, so yeah. we could all just kind of like, 
you know, keep it separate just for a little bit, you know. (laughs) I don't know how good the first season of the newer Gossip Girl is because I haven't watched Mm -hmm. it. But um, it was just not something I was interested in. It's not something that piqued my interest. Uh, and I also feel this it way for like peculiar and not in a good way. Was it like it was one of those teen shows where it's obviously written by adults? It yes. The reason I couldn't get into it was mm. the thing about the original Gossip Girl was it very much was like about the teens and the teens were like you knew that the gossip you knew Gossip Girl was a teen. And part of the fun for me was the who is Gossip Girl? Mm-hmm. Like, in this one, you know who Gossip Girl is. And the weird thing that I just can't get past, especially now that I'm, like, an adult, like, maybe if I was in high school, I'd be able to, like, skirt by it, is the fact that the Gossip Girl is is being run by the teachers, which means that, like, the pilot episode, you're watching grown adults essentially stalk high schoolers. No teacher has that mind, time on their hands. No teacher has that time on their hands. First of all, y'all don't get paid. <laughs> but like, it, it's like weird because you can't get out of your mind that these are adults literally following children around to cyberbully them. It, it's just there's like a there's a weird power dynamic thing that happens when Gossip Girl becomes an adult, mm-hmm. like a teacher, versus when Gossip Girl is someone's peer mm-hmm. that just makes it so uncomfortable. It's like if you found out that like certain blind items were written by like celebrities, it's like <laughs> Oh, you snitch on your friends, huh? You that kind of person. You that kind of person. Yeah, it's yeah. just and I, I just couldn't get past it. Like, I was just like, girl, you have a master's degree and you're taking pictures of a student changing their clothes. Like, yeah, couldn't get into it. Couldn't get into it. I was like, okay, you can. Also, you can how insecure that. can you be that you're scared of some kids that you can literally flunk out of the school they go to? It just, it was, there is... I couldn't suspend my disbelief. Give that kid one D. That's it. I could not suspend my disbelief. <laughs> it's so annoying. Um, I, I think Skins is like the best show that I've seen that feels a lot re- more realistic to young kids. But that's mainly because like a lot of the actors wrote for the show. Yeah, speaking of euphoria, euphoria. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, Skins was a lot, Skins really was euphoria before euphoria was euphoria, but Skins (laughs) is still a good show, like, it was really good, it was really interesting, it was so funny, it had, the thing is euphoria is that, like, they love to, like, harp on, like, the cinematography and, like, Mm -hmm. certain aspects of the show, but even with euphoria skins felt more true to form because i really did feel like i was watching messy white children just run around and steal their parents money and just be up to no good dumb shit and that's what i like no and i always was like where are your parents (laughs) and the parents are worse than the kids you didn't even know that much about the parents at that point because it's not about the parents it's about the kids who cares you know (laughs) it makes the show so good 
Like, I miss... Yeah. Skins really was, like, a, such a good show. And they don't make shows like that anymore. And it's so funny to me that, like, literally, uh, Kaya Scordelio, I think that's how you say her last name, she, <laughs> she had a TikTok where she was like, I'm watching Euphoria right now, and it's so strange. But then you remember what you were doing as a kid? It's like, oh. And it's kind of like that moment where you're like, oh, right. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> let me put my hand down. If I let me show right. you, you know what I mean? What do I know? What were you saying? It all comes back around. <laughs> yeah. The only it all sh- comes back around. The only other show that I feel like is as good as Skins is um, Sex Education. But which I've actually never have seen, which is crazy because I hear nothing bad about the show, and I'm like, I can tell you something like a change. I can tell you something like a change. But one thing about the show is that like half the cast left. Like, oh, Nishuti, she was playing the black gay friend. He had more than that, but he was basically playing the black gay friend. He's the mm-hmm. doctor now. Um, homegirl Simone Ashley was in the show. She's on Bridgerton now. Mm-hmm. Uh. I think there were, like, I don't know, I don't remember exactly who else left, but there were a few other people that aren't on the show anymore that were on the show, and now Dave Levy is playing the headmaster for the next season, and I don't know if next season is the last season. Mm -hmm. I hope that it's not. I think that it might be, but if they do make another season after this this one maybe you know there was one actress there were two other actresses that left the show as well that were Dang, on the show they switched up the whole roster huh there was well there's one actor um they go by they them i'm pretty sure i don't know if they're still in the they're gonna be in the next season there was one act this actress patricia patricia allison yeah she left the show and i think tanya reynolds was also another actress on the show that left it it truly is looking like y'all gonna have to bring in some new blood. I think they're gonna have to bring in some new blood for this show. Because that's the only thing that's Probably. Gonna keep it, going. it sounds like a lot of people left. Yeah. And I feel like that's like the blessing and the curse. Because when you watch a certain show on Netflix or on any streaming service and you see these actors, you're like, this person's so talented. They're so funny. This show's so good. I hope they do well. And then you see them go off doing bigger, better things. It's like, yay! But also like, What's gonna happen with the show you started off? Because like I was kind of <laughs> hoping that you would say, like I'm not upset at you because you're getting your coin in your bag. Like I'm very very happy that uh, Nishuti Gatsuwa he is the doctor because he deserves. But so so like what are we gonna do? I felt like that's what I'm I thought not... about that show Misfits. Ooh, I didn't watch Misfits when I was younger. It was um. It was just, I feel like there was, like, a moment where, like, almost the entire cast swapped out. And I was like, oh, for them. But then I also was just like, I don't know if I can stay invested with these yeah. new people. <laughs> I think that's also a hard thing is, like, you and you're so invested in the OG cast. Sometimes when the new ones come in, you're like, hmm. The same thing happened with Team Wolf. They started bringing in new people. And I was like, oh. mm. Actually, you know what? You know what? I'm, I'll pass on the horror movie. <clears throat> Excuse me. The horror movie that's coming out that's like smile. It's like it, the premise is there's like a monster and it makes people smile and then you see it and then you see people creepy smiles and then you die. Oh. It's kind of like um the ring, but instead of a weird videotape, it's like a smiling demon thing. Isn't that like Black Box? 
The Sandra Bullock movie on Netflix? Was it called Black Box? Bird Box. Bird, Bird Box. Bird Box. Bird I was Box. like, wait. Why did yeah. Black Box? I was just, yeah, I think I can keep that one. I feel like it's going to be one of those horror movies where, like, you watch it, there's a couple jump scares. Yeah. And then, and then you, like, like, immediately forget about it. It's kind of like, oh, this wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Right. Which was crazy because I feel like. I feel like the idea of there being a horror story in any format where the point of the monster is to like, like just smile, like just smile. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I feel like you could really get into something with like a gender analysis type of like monster just... that purposely targets women. But yeah. uh, this one just feels like it's not really going to dig deep on it. Like it just, it'll be one of those things like you watch it, you're like, oh, that's scary. But it doesn't stick with you. I'm like, oh, I think I can pass on that one. I think yeah. I can also pass on Aquaman too. Whenever that comes out, I didn't even watch the first one because I didn't even like that movie. I'm gonna say this: I feel like Black Manta as a character would have been better if instead of I don't know the ops, I don't know their names, <laughs> but basically like the ops giving him the technology to rival against the Atlanteans, if he developed mm-hmm. it on his own and somehow reverse engineered it, that would have made him a more interesting villain. Yeah, I feel like in Young Justice, mm. Mantis in that show might have been like a former Aqualad or something like that. Okay. I can't remember. I I cannot remember. I shouldn't have said that because <laughs> <laughs> that might have been a diet guess. But I definitely feel like I definitely feel like there was like an iteration where he was. He wasn't like a like a human, or maybe he was like he had a connection to Atlantis that was like a touch stronger than in the movie, but. Mm. I honestly feel like a lot of the stuff at Discovery Warner Brothers, I am probably going to pass on with all of the things they're doing over there. Apparently, they only have enough money to release Don't Worry Darling and Black Adam. I feel like that's (laughs) rumors. I hope that's not true, because I'm not even going to watch Black Adam. I'm like, like, I I probably will watch it, but it would be, that's one of those things that I would watch if I could wrangle up a group of friends to, like, yeah. go watch it after brunch. I don't know if that's the type of movie that, like, I would be willing to take myself to see. Oh, also, I hate that DC does this, but DC released, like, this statement or whatever that, like, oh, um, you know when they have, like, test audiences for movies? Yeah. They said that the Flash test audience score was higher than the Dark Knight, but they said that for Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, and they said this with every single show, new movie that DC releases for most of the, like, big movies that are Wonder Woman, Superman, and, you know, Batman, where it's like, oh, this movie had a higher audience score than the Dark Knight, and it didn't. I can tell you right now, it probably didn't. Do yeah, not release the Flash. It's gonna hit. <laughs> Under any circumstances, do not release the Flash. It's the, Lock it up! The Please. way that they are forever. standing ten toes down on the mm-hmm. Flash. Like, and Batgirl, okay, they were so like... So he kidnapped somebody. <laughs> so he may have held someone at gunpoint. So he like might be a menace. However, the logic here... <laughs> he might... 
just because he's wanted in three states. Yeah. <laughs> this the logic here feels like MTV and the grip ridiculousness holds on them. They're just it like, makes sense to nobody except the people in the room, and I'm like, when do y'all know that we don't? They're just like, you know, this will all blow over by the time the movie comes out. And I'm telling you right now, he's gonna have ten me. other scandals by the time the movie comes I out. I really don't. Let it, it will. die. And I don't think people are bad at canceling. Uh-huh. I we can't admit that. Like cancel culture doesn't really exist. Like people are bad at canceling. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the Flash is a strong enough character with enough groundwork and I don't think the D C E U is strong enough to carry through it. Like because mm-hmm. I I hate to say it, but let's keep it a buck. Like mm-hmm. The way people stand Chris Evans, I feel like he could slap someone on live television and they will release a movie and people will be like, I'll go see it. Chris I'm Evans sure. had a meeting. You remember that senator with the eye patch that went on SNL? Um, I don't you probably, you probably don't remember him, but he was basically someone who was part of a Facebook group that was full of like very let alt-right people like he was he mm-hmm. revealed he was part of that facebook group and chris evans did a meeting with that man to try and find common ground and even then people are like oh my gosh he's so open-minded it's like sir be like you're right i just want to say you're right you know i just i i feel like people when it comes to their idols um if they do some, like, if your idol does something you don't agree with, like, a lot of people are willing to overlook it. To overlook it, forgive it, brush it on the rug, whatever, however it may be. And sometimes that same energy transfers over to, like, a franchise or, like, a property. Like, if one Marvel actor does something out of line, a lot of people aren't going to, like, abandon Marvel as a whole for it. But I just, I'm really not sure if the DCEU, based off of, what it's given in the past, mm-hmm. it has enough sway to get people to overlook something this egregious. It doesn't. Like, it doesn't. The thing is, the <laughs> DCEU has... The thing is, like, Mar- there are Marvel actors who are not that great people. Like, Jeremy Renner is was abusive to his ex-wife and just overall not a great person. But y'all don't know that. Because you only know him as Hawkeye. Because the one thing that Marvel and Disney is going to do is bury a story. You couldn't bury the James Gunn thing, but you tried your best. You tried your best. You know, so... Yeah, I just... I'm not... I just just don't know if the DC has enough sway for it to be like, we're putting all our eggs in the Flash basket and that is going to pay off. Mm Mm-mm. And then the way that they're cutting so many projects, I'm like, and they're like, we're moving away from streaming. I'm like, I don't know if you That's guys have idea. anything. You don't have the legs to stand on to do that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, Disney owns so many, like, cult fandom properties. Like, they've got Star Wars, they have Marvel, mm-hmm. Pixar, and then Disney Disney. They have so much, like franchises that have cult fan bases Mm -hmm. disney probably could be like we're not giving you streaming for four months and they probably won't suffer too badly for that because they have a big enough cult following and they deliver consistently enough where people are like 
even if I don't like the movie, I probably won't hate it. So it's still worth it to go see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the DC movies, it, I feel like it's, you either love it, like it was a phenomenal movie, or you're like, I wasted my money. And there's very little in between. Like the, the quality is not consistent. They've only had a couple, they've literally, you can count on one hand. How many good movies the DCU has released? It's just and they even have with their good movies, hits, people still want like, to go back and forth about whether they're good or not. Yeah, like they have some hits, but it's just not consistent enough for me to feel like yes, bet on it. Like, mm-hmm. and outside of the DCEU, I'm not sure what franchise they have that's still like modern and relevant. And you're right when you say that Disney could stop streaming for four months and they would be fine. Which also brings up the point of the whole, um, kind of what Marvel Studios has come under fire with the VFX community. How artists have started speaking out against the company. Because even though I'm someone that, like, whenever you're some, if someone is going to be, like, giving me new movies, new TV shows consistently... Like, mm-hmm. I'm there, I'm 100% there, but also with that, like, people are refusing to work for Marvel because that's terrible management for VFX, even though majority of your movies deal with visual effects. So, of course, yeah. you would think that you would treat them well, but as a corporation that is um, focused solely on making money and, you know bring in more viewers, more people, more butts in the seats in theaters, and bring up their streaming and subscription numbers, they are willing to sacrifice quality working conditions just so that they can meet their bottom line. Thus, you know, not not caring about the minds and the bodies that develop the work that their fans love so much. And it really does suck because, like, you know, She-Hulk is a prime example but also like this is going to be one that people don't talk about and people should bring up a little more uh the battle with black panther with like him and killmonger were like falling Mm -hmm. in the train station and they were like punching each other i was kind of just like what's going on here you know yeah like i i do and it's unfortunate that i but i do feel like the overworked underpaid thing is unfortunately common in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. because I I do remember reading a couple articles about visual like VFX artists coming out and saying like the this is ridiculous and it's not it's not just Marvel but I feel like they're one of the biggest names that it's happening under and they're mm-hmm. like the timeline is too short it happened with the Sonic movie and then I know animators like more towards like traditional 2D animation I feel like I remember reading articles about this saying, yo, overworked, overpaid, y'all are asking for too much and not giving enough resources. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I feel like a little earlier in the pandemic, maybe, like when things were starting to reopen, there was uh, a lot, there, I feel like there was a segment of the industry that went on strike for a little while or was threatening to go on strike. Like, yeah. it's just, I overworked underpaid in the entertainment industry feels like it is a horrendous norm and it's starting to get to like a boiling point and I think that's kind of a trend we're seeing now with like a lot of industries in the U.S. and I Mm -hmm. hope there is some meaningful change with it 
because these people put blood, sweat, and tears into making fabulous works of art, and I feel like okay, let's let's compensate them fairly for that. <laughs> and I think it's also compounded by the pandemic, you know, with people having to like not like a lot of the jobs that people have to work in the film industry requires them to be on set with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, as, like, PAs and as, like, film operators and, like, sound engineers. And you can't really do that from home. So, and when you get back on set with not enough, like, you know, protective equipment for everybody there. And, you know, everyone's running on this certain schedule, trying to pump out all this content and, like, keep up with, like, trying to make up for all the lost time or whatever that you weren't in studio. It does push people to their breaking point and Mm -hmm. you are right that like being overpaid and being overworked and underfed is become an industry norm in a lot of industries it still doesn't like take away from the fact that like that sucks it's awful and it doesn't have to be the norm because these companies do have the money to pay people and they can take the time to make quality content however Everybody is so focused on meeting certain deadlines and dates for these releases so that they can keep their money and keep, you know, China happy and keep all these things on a tight schedule. However, I think that we can wait a month or two past the release date to see Blade. You know what I mean? Like, we can be a a little bit patient. I have waited this long for Black Panther 2 to come out. And we can wait a little longer for, you know, Daredevil, for um, Armor Wars, for everything else that's playing coming out. Loki Season 2, all that. Yeah. Yeah, Mania, that stuff. Yes, I am glad, though, that it is a conversation that is happening and that it's a conversation that more people, like, thanks to social media, that more people can see. Because I, I feel like this is probably a complaint that's been around for a while, but social media is making it so that now more people can actually see and hear the complaint. Yeah. And I think it'll be very interesting to see, like, with the workers' rights movement that has kind of spread, come up from the pandemic, like, seeing what long-term changes come. Yeah, because companies don't really want to, like, make a change, but now that they're forced to do it under all this social pressure... They see the, like, you know, they see, like, you're in the wrong, essentially. You can't treat these, you know, you can't treat these workers like they're expendable. Because they may be expendable to you, but they're still people, you know what I mean? I will say, I do think this is the first time in my lifetime that workers' rights has gotten to a point where people definitely feel confident walking and saying well there is there'll be another opportunity yeah like I feel like historically that hasn't really happened like they do the age-old advice like make sure you have a job before you quit your job and I feel like that's no longer the lay of the land right now it's interesting I'm gonna be really interested to see like how long that trend holds up I also think that people are more comfortable voicing their concerns or voicing their anger and complaints over jobs they've worked because they know that there will be other people to agree with them and to have their back you know oh yeah unions are making a very big resurgence right now yeah you're right and also like 
a lot of times, like, the generation before us definitely thought that, like, oh, we'll just stay at that job for a while and it will get better eventually. Or, don't be so hard on your boss. Like, if you quit, then what's going to happen? Who's going to replace you? And now it's just kind of like, this person has quit because of these three things that you can fix as the manager and you've not taken it upon yourself to fix. And it's not my job, so I'm about to hit the deuce and take my take myself somewhere else. Because that's simply mm. all I can do at this point. Yeah, there's definitely been a shift, I think, in priorities mm. for the workforce. Like, now people are prioritizing, like, okay, I want to have a good work-life balance, and I want to make sure I have vacation time. Like, mm. there's definitely a shift, and I feel like it's happening at, like, the worker level. And I'm wondering if that shift is going to trickle upwards, like... Yeah, towards the bosses? Like, a lot of... Yeah, because a lot of articles I've been reading have been very much, like, at the worker level, like, employees are, like, we like working from home, we're okay coming into the office on, like, a flex schedule and stuff like that, but then it's, like, more so managers that are, like, no, we want you to come in every day, like... It's like kind of, there's like that clash happening mm-hmm. between like the younger workforce now and then like the managers who are like, this is the way things have been. But I think the pandemic made it so like people are working from home and all that. So now people are like, well, if we know we have the means to do it, why not do it? Yeah. Man, um, we took a big side step with that. <laughs> I oh my god, agree. Agree. <laughs> I I'm definitely a tangent talker though. Like I will. Fine. We will talk around the world. <laughs> That's me too. I'm like that. I'm that way too. Um, I think the last thing I just want to say is that like the DC universe was on such a good track with the new movies that were about to come out, and it was showing promise with the things that it had already slated in terms of films, but also in terms of television as well. Because a lot of the DC TV shows are really good, like Doom Patrol. Oh, Doom Patrol. Titans feels more like soap opera when it comes to... Titans is definitely giving you, like, CW superhero show. I was just <laughs> CW. You know what doesn't give CW, though? Mm. Superman and Lois. I haven't watched that. It gives... Tyler Hecklin, I feel like, is an amazing Superman and even better Clark Kent. Mm. And the show is so phenomenal. Like, when I watch it, I, I feel blown away. Like, I don't feel like I'm watching a CW show. My mm. one baby beef with it is that Supergirl is basically non-existent. Oh. Which irritates me a little bit, considering that the show is a Supergirl spinoff. Mm-hmm. And the storyline from the first season mirrors a storyline Supergirl has already gone through. <laughs> it's like a, it's a baby pet peeve. I could still watch the show and enjoy it despite that. But, yeah. The, the TV sh- I feel like the DC universe the tv shows and the animated shows hit you were right the tv shows hit (laughs) i feel like if you just gave it some time to just breathe instead you hired this new guy who's making everything worse and trying to revert it back to the way it was when he was around what he's gonna do is run your company into the ground and like screw everything up like obviously you know, what can <laughs> yeah, I do? It, it, I feel like they're trying to have these huge success and they see Marvel has done it, but I feel like 
they're not acknowledging that like for Marvel to get where they are now, they had to have Thor one and Thor Dark World and Captain America and Iron Man and Iron Man two. Like Infinity War was built off of a decade of consistent work and I feel like the DC hasn't hit that like consistent okay we're turning it out Mm -hmm. they say they're gonna do it and part of me wants to be optimistic but they have made announcements like this before in the past (laughs) yeah so we'll see what happens only time will tell but uh (laughs) guys we've spoken we've talked and you know we're gonna wrap up the podcast there thank you so much kiki for coming on the pod I really appreciate it. And, you know, guys, feel free to share the podcast with your friends. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on TikTok. And, you know, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you again with another pod. Bye. And that's the end. But, you know, we can... I just want to say thank you for just coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, no. Definitely thanks for the invite. This is... This is my kind of vibe, <laughs> my yes. kind of chat. I really do appreciate because, like, I have been trying so hard. Oh, yes, I'm so excited. This is so much <laughs> And I'm definitely someone that, like, I just love talking about TV, movies, pop culture. But you were like, oh, do you want to talk about it? Yes. Say <laughs>